General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We are here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Dustin Thompson, Vice President for Regional Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Doing Together podcast. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptist partners together so that your church can fulfill its calling. In this episode, Travis Stevens, the Vice President for Church Health, and I will be going back to a simple but foundational question of what is a healthy church. Travis, welcome to today's episode of the Doing Together podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, have this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I uh, I enjoy that we get to do this together. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody the other day said, Travis and I sound like you're just riding in the car with us. Um, hmm. Yeah, this person has no friends. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be talking about what is a healthy church. And I know it could sound like a foundational question, or maybe it's rudimentary for some people. Uh, but why is it so important that we take time to define what a healthy church is? Well, I think, um, yeah, that's a great question. I think we got to go back for just a second and remind people, in case you weren't at the summit uh, this year, um, what, that was one of the big things that we talked about was we talked about sort of goals for the denomination. And, and one of the things we said was like, we and this is just reality, and it may shock people, but uh, it shocked me the first time I think I heard it was like, hey, our goal in 10 years from now is to have 100 healthy General Baptist churches. And, and so once we heard that, we started saying, okay, well, what is a healthy church? What does that look like? Like, So so if we're going to have this goal, we, we need to figure out how to, do, how to define healthy. And so that's one of the things that uh, yeah, the big conversation that we're starting to have is, um, yeah, what, what makes up a healthy church? Because yeah. uh, we went back and forth a little bit of like, there's probably some churches that we know um, that from the outside looking in, from maybe some numbers perspectives and certain things, you may say like, that's a really healthy church. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. And it could be, you know, vice versa on churches you may look at and be like, eh, the church doesn't seem too healthy, but they might be doing a lot of really good things. And so, yeah. It's, a, it's important to talk about. I think it's a great bonus leadership tip. Uh, it's a little bit of a, of a tangent, but uh, having a goal without it being quantifiable mm -hmm. is very hard to uh, be able to say that you've done it. Or it's so easy to say you've done it that you really didn't do anything. So right. goals that are quantifiable are extremely important. Um, and that is how this came to be for us, is we have a goal that is somewhat crazy when you hear about it, uh, but it's crazy because as we dive into this stuff, there's churches that may appear healthy that, that really aren't. And that's what we wanted to be able to do, why the quantifying mattered of saying what truly is a healthy church. Yeah. Uh, and so as we started like thinking through this, uh, and, and we're still working through this as a team, uh, one of the things that we came across was like, maybe it's, maybe it's not defining necessarily, at least on the front end, what is a healthy church? Like maybe it's not, okay, how do we get a definition for that or, or a list of characteristics for that? But I think what we came back to and we sort of started with the end in mind is like, okay, what do healthy churches produce? Um, what are some of the measurements? Because that's, again, you talked about it, because if it can't be measured, mm, how do we know if we're really 
uh, we're a healthy church or not. And so that's kind of where we started at was like, okay, what are some of the things that healthy churches produce? Like what are the outcomes of healthy churches? Uh, and, and so we kind of come up with a few different categories that I think uh, we're, we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we've got it nailed down to four things. And, um, you know, these are four very broad things. So it's mm-hmm. not like, hey, here's your four prescription things to go do and, you know, the yeah. Lord be with you. And I would add that, uh, again, these are things that we were like, all right, I think these are things that we can measure. So there's probably more to it than this, but it was like, um, but maybe we couldn't measure it. And so like this is is not a... You know, this is probably not everything, so don't, uh, maybe don't uh, send us scathing emails or whatever and be like, hey, you forgot this, yeah. because it's like, I get it. Um, for for this week, all uh, scathing emails go to Vince.Daniel, <laughs> uh, that's Daniel with no S, at GeneralBaptist.com. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is, it's four simple things, and I hope our leader, or our listeners are excited for the earth-shaking, profound wisdom that we're about to drop today. Uh, so these four things that we would say are the attributes of a healthy church, or in other words, a healthy church does these four things. It is simply evangelism, discipleship, generosity, and leadership development. That's yeah, it. That's it. Uh, I know some of you are like, and? <laughs> but here's where, here's where this becomes uh, something to truly unpack is uh, it is simple and so hard to do those four things and truly do them well. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to bring this up all the time with simple things, and I'm as guilty as anybody. Um, but yeah, it's simple to read your Bible and to pray, and yet most of us struggle with it. It's probably simple to exercise and uh, eat properly, but we struggle with it. We often struggle with the very simple things, and so um, again, out of these things, out of these four things you mentioned, I know uh, many churches are, um, they're not as simple as they may seem. Well, and I think what is intriguing is that that idea that like sometimes what is simple really is complex. Mm-hmm. You know, eating is a great example of that. Like, hey, uh, eat healthy foods. What is a healthy food? Well, your body type might be different or where your starting point might be different or you might be gluten intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like so many different factors that lead to how to how to reach the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who are gluten intolerant, we understand that that's a real thing. Yeah, right? we appreciate you subscribing and listening to the podcast. Yeah, and using your glu- gluten-free Jesus at communion time. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, today, when we're talking about these four things, let's dive into it just for a little bit, okay? Um, why is it important that a healthy church is evangelistic? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think you can get around it, right? Uh, it goes back to the uh, Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go into all the world, um, you, you know, teach your people what he's taught us, uh, what the scriptures are, baptizing people. Um, yeah, I think it's at the core of everything that we do. And um, yeah, if Jesus has changed our lives and uh, has come into our lives and changed our lives, and, and we know that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, we need to tell people about it. And, and we need to be excited and passionate about telling people about it. And so how can our churches be places um, that takes place because again like it seems simple but if you're a pastor you're a church leader you know how difficult it has been sometimes to get your uh, congregations to invite people to church or to even have 
uh, just uh, faith conversations with people. And so, yeah. yeah, it's difficult. I think I think there is the spiritual dynamic of this of like, hey, this is one of the core tenets of what we are charged with as Christ followers is to share this gracious gift that has so freely been shared with us. There's also the very pragmatic part of this, which is you cannot replicate yourself even a generation away if you are not evangelistic. Mm-hmm. I think of like student ministry. Like one of the hardest things about being a youth pastor is uh, your people age out. But also one of the gifts of being a youth pastor is you have people that age in. Well, if we're not evangelistic, you can lose a generation with no other generation being reached. And you're quickly, you, you drift off into uh, what Collins would call that fifth stage of organizational decline, which would be death or irrelevance. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, we're, we're seeing that um, to, a, to a great extent, as you see congregations that are getting older. And, uh, you know, that doesn't happen by accident. That's because um, we're not being evangelistic. We're not inviting new people in. And then the, also the thing that comes along with uh, this that's so difficult is because um, I think we're going to talk about the two things, kind of the outputs of this or the results of this, which is, you know, salvations and baptisms, is that uh, new people, and especially new Christ followers, uh, they're the most likely people to invite others to come and be a part of something, right? And so if your church is struggling to evangelize and reach new people, um, you know, it, it's sort of like... Um, it's a problem that just compounds, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, you have to reach new people in order to reach more new people. Which, you know, you, you said that like new people are prime candidates to continue to help uh, share the gospel. I know like uh, one of the things that we talk about in my church is to create a be a bringer culture of like, hey, we want everybody to have the idea that you should be a bringer, like that there is a place. And that is part of this evangelism a metric or like the the temperature of evangelism in your church is like, is this a place where you can come and see? Like, are you putting Jesus on display? Are you adequately uh, not just teaching the Bible, but sharing the gospel, like the good news that actually, you know, changes people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, for a lot of us, um, you know, who have been in church for a large portion of our lives or for years and years and years, our kind of natural tendencies that we um, don't have as many friends or don't have as many connections that don't know Jesus, right? We sort of uh, kind of seclude ourselves or whatever, and so we don't run into those people anymore, um, which is a a detriment uh, to what we're trying to do. And so part of, I think, part of what we have to do as pastors and church leaders is almost teach our people how to be intentional about building relationships with people who don't know Jesus, maybe even going out of your way uh, to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Uh, I think yeah, it has to go even get back to even that, again, a simple thing, uh, but difficult for some of us to do. Yeah, and so like that is like how do you lead your church to create this culture that evangelism is just a part of it, culture simply being like what you do. And so like the, the evangelism or this idea of like sharing your faith both uh, corporately in the church, like being a, a church that is putting Jesus on display or uh, simply sharing, you know, the gospel, the uh, the good news, creating opportunities for people to respond in faith. Uh, but also, how do you create a church that is full of evangelists or individual people who are doing this where they live, work, and play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, uh, so we talked about evangelism a lot. I think that really kind of leads into uh, our second outcome of what we're talking about with discipleship, um, because uh, healthy churches 
uh, build and create disciples, right? They, they raise up disciples, and disciples should be the ones who naturally who are going out and inviting others and, and building up new disciples, right? Which is back to your great commission in Matthew yeah. 28. Yeah. So go teach, go. baptize, and make disciples. Make disciples. And so, uh, yeah, is your some, some of the things that we're talking about and thinking about, is your church seeing pe- new people come to know Christ? Are they seeing people uh, go public with their faith through baptism? And then, yeah, part of part of the whole evangelistic thing is like, are you building disciples within your church? Or um, I think I think Danny talked about this maybe in one of the previous podcasts or in a message that he's done. Or are we just sort of um, bringing up you know church uh, attenders, right? And who it doesn't go beyond just showing up on Sundays. Yeah, if you've uh, gotten the privilege to attend one of the 2023 regional events that we've been doing, uh, Pastor Danny has shared a quote, and the quote was essentially uh, that we uh, we in the American church specifically have changed the Great Commission from uh, you know going and making disciples to basically uh, we are creating church attenders who attend small groups who consume church instead of people who are truly disciple. That both disciples and disciple makers who are living out the gospels, um, and it's it's a great challenge. And really, this is intriguing to me because so many times uh, evangelism and discipleship are put on a spectrum. Like you are either evangelistic or you focus on discipleship. Almost like you can't be both. Right. Um, I mean, I go back to like the come and see analogy. You know, like we should have a church and a gospel that it stands on its own. Come and see. Uh, you know, the good things that God is doing. But part of that is also a go-and-tell approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could say that's simply evangelistic, but it takes a disciple to be able to share their faith to come and see and be bold enough to go and tell. Yeah, yeah. some of the language um, probably in the last decade or so that's been used in churches a lot has been around that. Uh, they would say, are you a missional church or are you a, an attractional church? And really... A missional church should be attractional, and an attractional sh- church should be missional. Like yeah. the, the answer is yes, right? Yeah, you're you're supposed to do both. If you're if you're discipling people well, you're going to want to reach people, and if you're reaching people, you're going to want to disciple them. It, it goes hand in hand together. Uh, and, and Isn't so, that funny? Some of the language we use of like, I don't want to be an attractional church, yeah. you know, or I don't want to be a missional church, and it's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we should want to be both. I mean, again, a healthy church should be both of those things. Yeah, your church should be a place that people are attracted to. Um, you know, if you're sharing the love of Jesus, if you're uh, preaching the gospel, the good news, right? People should be attracted to that. So people should want to come to it. And again, and then you have discipleship, which is, hey, we're living out mission, right? We're, we're going to go into our communities and we're going to make a difference. And so, um, yeah. So let's talk about discipleship for a second, because like evangelism, usually people have a, a pretty good idea. Hey, this is like, yeah. you know, churches that are making gospel presentations. These are people who are charged to go into their communities uh, and, and make a difference and to be able to share their personal faith. These are churches that are moving on mission and they're sending out uh, both local missions and outreach, sending out uh, national global mission teams. Like we can sort of just rattle off quickly what an evangelistic church is. But discipleship is so hard. Um, it's it's also pretty controversial because like if you ask people what a disciple is, it's really 
um, you don't always get the same answer. Actually, um, one of Travis's like bonus things he does here at General Baptist Ministries is moderate like our social media channels. And I saw a post uh, you did before I uh, exiled myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. wasn't, wasn't healthy for me. Uh, but uh, before I got off of social media, one of the last posts I saw was you simply asked people, uh, what is a disciple? Mm-hmm. And I think you had 30 or 40 responses, and yeah. none of them were identical. Yeah, everybody has their own sort of opinion, own thoughts around it. And sometimes they're similar, a lot of times they're not. Uh, and yeah, so I think uh, the American church maybe has lost track of what is a disciple, and maybe it is hard to define. I don't know. Um, I think we're going to talk about it some more, and and because, yeah, we're going to need to know how to define it. Yeah, I know, like, that was something that, that you know, so— both of us, you know, we we have the privilege to get to work with uh, the the broader General Baptist Ministries, but we also are heavily involved in our local churches. And this is something that we had to wrestle with. Like we are calling you to discipleship. We have to be able to clearly uh, tell you what it is and have it unified across our house. And so for us, it is simply being with Jesus, being like Jesus, and doing what He did. I mean, it pushes back to a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's all about Jesus. Yeah, I think that's great. What we did, and again, I think we, I think we're coming back to this and saying, eh, is it, is it really discipleship, or is there something more to it? We sort of looked at almost like outcomes again of, or what does a disciple do? And so, I think for our church, we came up with like five things, and so they grow in their faith, and so they're reading their Bible, they're praying, they, uh, you know, they're fasting, they're doing those type of things. Uh, they go and invite others to be a part. They. Uh, use their gifts, so they're serving in some way. They uh, they're generous, and so they give, um, and then they're part of community, and we call it groups. And so um, we looked at those five things, and we we're like, we're trying to push people to do those five things, um, and I think we were pretty good at getting people to do most of those things. But at the end of the day, uh, as you look back, it's like, are we really creating disciples? Or are we just kind of checking boxes? Well, I know uh, one of the big things we wrestled through is it's easy to make a disciple of your church, and it's hard to make a disciple of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're not called to make attenders or uh, brand ambassadors. We're called to make little Christians, little Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is why it is extremely important. So, like, here's two examples of uh, two churches, my church, your church, that has unified language so that it's clear of what you're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we talk about uh, disciples or disciple making, like this is part of why it's so healthy. Like what is your end goal? Like right. you are reaching out to people so that they might become disciples. Yeah. Yeah. And we're hoping, I think one of the ways that, or a couple of the ways that we're hoping to sort of measure that is, um, does your church send anyone out? Um, are you seeing church leaders be brought up who are, who are going and either pastoring other churches or going into the mission field? Um, you know, what does that look like for your church? And if you're not ever sending anyone out of your church, uh, is that healthy? Um, maybe you're not, um, maybe you're not making, um, as many disciples as maybe you think you are. Yeah. And that, that is that ultimate, uh, goal of like a disciple is somebody who is moving on mission or they're doing what Jesus did. They're actually walking in the ways of Jesus. And if you want, you know, for our listeners, if you'd like an interesting, just a uh, quick discipleship study, study what Jesus did 
and then go do that. Like there's a lot of us that don't do those things, you know. Like Jesus spent a lot of time praying, and I think you and I specifically have talked about how little time individuals we do that, individually we do that, and as our church we do that. Yeah. Or like, hey, this is crazy, fasting, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, like I would like to do everything except that part of following Jesus. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, silence and solitude. Like, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, hey, these are simple things, but so hard. Yeah, I sometimes crave silence and solitude when we're uh, riding up here together and that four-hour trip would <laughs> be pretty nice sometimes. I was going to say, I'm trying to lead my kids to to follow the ways of Jesus, and oh, then you're going to say it's me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I crave it once I get home. I'm like, uh, don't talk to me. <laughs> but yeah, that's, a, uh, that's for, another thing. For those thing. of you who, who don't know, Travis <laughs> and I carpool from Tennessee to Missouri. Uh, he loves it. He's acting like he don't. It's the best part of his week. Yeah, that's a good context. <laughs> good context, Phil. But yeah. So um, it is it is extremely important that we're able to, to identify uh, what is a dis- disciple in our local church. But it's also why we would say healthy churches focus on these things. So you mm-hmm. are both reaching out and you're developing the people that you've uh, reached out to. So the third indicator that we've identified is generosity. Um, And, you know, that can mean a lot of different things. Some people are going to hear this and they're going to be turned off thinking it's like a businessy concept or it's like, you know, faith, prosperity gospel, or even like a skeptical person of like, well, of course we want churches to be generous because like we're a benefactor of generosity in a local church. What does that mean? What do we mean by a local church should be a generous church? Yeah, I think it's a few different ways. Uh, for one, we're talking about they're making an impact within their community. Um, they're, they're, they're using the funds that come in that people are giving uh, to pour back into to, to fund the mission, right, to fund uh, discipleship, to fund evangelism, to fund um, community investment to make their community better. So that's one huge aspect of it, right? We, uh, I think healthy churches should be uh, a good portion of the money that is brought into the church should be going back out into the community, uh, right? And so that's a part of it. And then I think another part of it, too, that we're looking at measuring is like a healthy church should also have um, generous congregants. And so some of the things we're looking at is like, um, you know, uh, average giving per person and per family unit and things like that. Um, because I, I do think followers of Jesus, I just, I, I don't think you can get around it. Like, I think it's pretty, um, pretty plain within the scriptures is like, hey, when you give your lives to Christ and you're a follower of Christ, like you're going to be generous with, right, your time, talents, and treasure. And, and so, yeah, I think generosity is a big part of it. And so I think this is an interesting dynamic you brought up is that healthy churches are going to be made up of a core group of healthy Christians. Mm-hmm. And so like some of these things really are like, how do you track it at a church level? Uh, and let's be honest, like we can't do that. A general Baptist ministry is like, we can't do that, but we can encourage you to do that in your local church. But also like, how do you as a church leader lead your people to be generous? How do you lead them to be more like Christ? And there's no way you can separate uh, the fact that to be like Jesus is to be generous. I mean, like mm-hmm. one of the things I love about John three sixteen is for God so loved the world that he gave, mm-hmm. like Jesus was given to us. And so, you know, like our salvation is built on the fact that a gift that was freely given. And then how can we as either Christ followers or us as church leaders hoard what has been freely given to us? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It, just from a just from a very practical standpoint, is like it should just be um, 
it should just be obvious to us that like, hey, the for the message to continue to go out and stuff, yeah, it takes uh, it takes finances to fund ministry, right? And so that's from a practical standpoint. Um, but even aside from that, just again, talking from an individual, from a family standpoint, um, God does something within us, right? Um, when we're generous, like it's a, it's learning to rely on God and his provision for us and actually trusting him with our entire lives um, is the reason that we do it. And God does something special in our lives and our hearts and, and what we're teaching our children as, as we demonstrate generosity in front of them. So there's um, there's all kinds of reasons that we should be generous and all kinds of benefits from it. Well, I mean, you know, you brought up like the practical part. You cannot truly be evangelistic or even make disciples without an investment in that. Right. Like like you can. Uh, it's just it, it is limited on how far it can go. And mm -hmm. so, you know, if you're doing an initiative in your church, uh, it takes money. If you are mm -hmm. truly uh, developing disciples, it takes money. And a portion of that is the staff that you might spend to lead it. And, yeah. like, those are some hard things to to wrestle through. That Like, hey, your money that you're investing in a pastor is both evangelism dollars and disciple dollars. Um, yeah. You know, and, like, for some of us, like, those are those things that challenge us. Like, we're cool giving money away to missions or giving money away to an outreach, but then not spending money on staff to actually be able to do, uh, to equip people to do those things. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So generosity is extremely important in the life of both an individual Christ follower, uh, but also in the life of a church. And that's why we see it as one of the four main things that lead to a healthy church. Yeah. What I often see, and, uh, I get to talk and kind of, um, just have a interest really in church revitalization, and and I have my, um, I have a lot of influ whatever influence there, that type of stuff. A lot of top times, what I see there is that uh, churches who are in decline or stagnant is what they do is they stop investing in their community, and so they stop putting money into the community, investment in the community, and then all their programs and ministries are for those who are already inside the church or who are already Christ followers, and like that's one of the uh, that's one of the reasons churches find themselves in decline. The evangelism numbers go down, discipleship numbers go down. All that stuff happens because uh, they've stopped investing in their community and all their programs and everything that they're doing is for those who are already saved. And so, uh, again, yeah, the healthy churches are going to be generous um, outside of their church. They're going to be missional outside of their church, into their communities, and into the world. And we, we haven't even talked about that. But, yeah, even into, um, you know, the ends of the earth. So, you know, you you just dropped a lot there that we could unpack, and I hope our listeners, you know, process this, you know, talk about it with your team or with, you know, your spouse or somebody, because, like, there's a lot of just healthy dialogue that, that you just dropped. Uh, but so this idea of both evangelism, discipleship, uh, and generosity, like, let's take those three things. Somebody is leading the church in those areas. You're either leading the church to those outcomes or you're uh, abdicating those outcomes not happening in your church. Uh, so let's talk about this fourth one, which is leadership development. So over the last year, General Baptist Ministries, we've been identifying and highlighting this crisis. Like we've been spending a lot of time talking about there is a crisis of leadership. There is an oncoming crisis of leadership, uh, both in our churches and across our regions that we get the chance to serve. Um, we're seeing the effects of the absence of leadership development. And so in what ways... Do you see leadership development making a church healthy? Oh, in so many ways. And so, 
again, so for some what we're talking about today, like nothing replaces, like all these have to go together and nothing replaces our personal walk with Jesus, right? Nothing, nothing replaces us um, becoming disciples and better disciples uh, by following Jesus. And so like that's certainly at the forefront. But there is some leadership development skills that we believe that uh, Jesus had for sure. And Jesus demonstrated that uh, are very helpful for us to learn and for us to use. And so, and, and when we don't learn those things and we don't use them, a lot of the times we're not near as, as effective. Um, you know, sometimes I think, sometimes I think we, we have this idea and I, I don't believe it's correct, but we have this idea that, you know, God shows favor on some churches and not favor on others or whatever, you know, you have the same two different, two churches in one community or whatever, and one's growing and one's not. And we think, well, God's just blessing that one. When I think in reality, a lot of times as well, no, it's not that God's presence is any different or God's blessing any differently than between the two of them. It's that one of them has a leader and a pastor most of the time who has taken it upon themselves to grow themselves in leadership. Uh, and, and it makes a difference. Uh, it just does. It makes a huge difference. Well, so you're introducing this this really good idea. So so many times we think there is discipleship and then there is leadership development. And uh, so there's this pastor. Uh, he's out of Seacoast Church in Charleston, South Carolina. His name's Mac Lake. He's the discipleship pastor there. And, you know, he he's built a whole system around this idea of leadership development that starts with leading yourself. Mm-hmm. Like the, all of us are leaders because at the core, we have to lead ourselves first. And if you can't do that, then like you can't progress into leading uh, other people or leading organizations. Um, so this, this idea that leadership development is discipleship and discipleship ultimately is leading yourself first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's extremely important to not build uh, a false dichotomy when it comes to this conversation which then goes back to the four things truly are interconnected. Yeah, they're, absolutely. They all are interconnected. Like you said, they're all combined. They're all each important. Like, like to, in order to be a healthy church, you have to be good at all these. Um, I, I think that's what we believe. There might be some other things that we're gonna uh, that we're gonna talk about in the future that um, that play into this too. But as far as something that we can measure. Really, these are the four. And so um, as, we, as you think about your church, as you think about yourself, are you leading yourself and are other leaders being developed within the church? Yeah, I like to think of the analogy of like a four-legged table. You know, that these four things mm-hmm. are important and they have to be uh, maybe not equally important in seasons, but they have to be equally important in your church. And what I mean by that is like Easter and Christmas you know, they're, they're pretty big evangelism seasons in your church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that quickly shifts to, okay, how are you going to develop and disciple these people? And so, yeah. like, uh, that's what I mean by, like, there might be a season where, like, you favor one thing over the other, but they all are extremely important. If you take away uh, one leg of a four-legged table, don't put any weight on it because it's going to fall. Right. Uh, or if you have, I don't know about you guys, but, like, uh, me and my wife, some of our therapy food is cheese dip. Uh, you know, not necessarily a type of food, but like cheese dip. Um, but if you get to a Mexican restaurant and one of the table, one of the table legs is uneven, uh, it's really annoying, uh, even to the point that it's noticeable. And a lot of our churches have a deficient deficiency in some of these areas, and you feel like it's not noticeable to you, but everybody who's new sees it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's very, very true. I think it is sometimes hard to see things, as, and it's um, we get used to things so much. You, you know, um, I'm just thinking about, you know, if you're going into your house or from a church standpoint, too, you get used to things after you've been going there every week for several years, right? You, like you stop noticing the cobwebs in the corner or the, um, you know, the ceiling tile that's uh, it's obviously you have a leak. And so it starts to, you know, get brown or whatever. Uh, you, you stop noticing the funky odor coming from the bathroom or whatever. Like you stop noticing that stuff. And so, um, yeah, so that's easy to happen that, um, you know, if we're not careful, Again, this is why it goes back to it's important to measure these things because if you don't measure it, uh, the likelihood that you're going to be paying attention to it is probably not very good. And I think sometimes, let's just be honest, I think sometimes as leaders we don't want to measure things because we kind of have an idea of like that outcomes or that measurement's not going to be very good and we don't want to face reality. Um, but if we're going to have healthy churches, if we're going to, um, if we're going to reach the world, if we're going to grow, um, you know, we have to face reality. Like that's a huge part of it. Like you have to be willing to face reality and then you have to take action to do something about it. Yeah. I think that's so good. And, and when we, when we're talking about facing reality, like leaders are not found, leaders are built. Mm-hmm. And like, we have to make leadership development a priority in our church because somebody built us, mm-hmm. you know, either there was an investment in us or we were self-motivated people or, or driven people who like made the investment in our own leadership. Um, so like we have to make this investment in the future of our churches. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think we, I don't think we have a choice. Um, I, I think if we ignore it, we ignore it at our own peril, right? We ignore it. Um, and we just continue to see our churches get more unhealthy. We continue to see churches decline. We continue to see churches close their doors. All these things that we're trying to avoid, all these things that we don't want to happen. I mean, the reality is when we said 100 healthy churches, I mean, I think we have anywhere between six to 700 churches in America, General Baptist churches in America. And so when we say 100 healthy churches, like the reality is we we realize there's going to be a lot of churches potentially that are going to have to close their doors over the next 10 15, 20 years. Um, but we want to do something about that. We want to, we want to save as many as we can. We want to keep that from happening if at all possible, because man, um, a lot of our churches are in smaller communities, rural communities, a lot of times, and like they need good gospel centered churches and they need good leaders to lead them. Well, and, and I think that's an intriguing idea because like none of us want churches to close. None of us want churches to suffer or, or even simply just be unhealthy. Um, but those three things that are the first three, evangelism, discipleship, generosity, uh, usually are an outcome based off of the leadership, the leadership culture, the leadership direction, the vision and mission of the leadership in the church. And that's true whether it's a pastor-led model, whether it's a board-led model. Uh, somebody is leading you to where you are. Something that we talk about a lot in the executive pastor world is you have systems that are designed to get the exact results that you have so what are we going to do about it? And the answer for a lot of our churches is we need to, we almost have to focus on leadership development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we absolutely have to there again. And there's there's so much out there. There's so many resources out there. Like I, I know we're speaking to an audience of pastors and church leaders that don't have, I mean, they don't have a ton of time on their hands a lot of times. A lot of them are bivocational. Um, and so it's like, man, you know, I would love for this to be taking place, but how am I going to have time to do this? Well, the great thing is there's so many resources out there. And it 
again, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be complicated, right? We talked about it, it can be simple. So it can be as simple as, hey, uh, I read this blog post, and so I'm going to send it to my church board. Or I came across this podcast on student ministry. I'm going to pass that along to my student volunteers or um, whatever, something like that. Or there's this book that I'm reading that I think would be really good. I'm going to take a group of leaders uh, through that book. Um, but, but it's being intentional, right? Um, it, it's being intentional about making that investment. Um, I, th- I think we have to be willing to do that. Well, and I, I think this is where sometimes it's so easy for us to get paralyzed because you can listen mm-hmm. to something like this or you can watch a video yeah. and you're like, well, that's great. Yeah. Now what? Like, what am mm-hmm. I actually supposed to do about it? Or it feels like, you know, you're so far behind the eight ball that the idea of like even starting could could feel like you're drowning. It could feel overwhelming. Uh, maybe it makes you anxious. Um, so, there's this quote that's often thrown around and it's probably so uh, open source that like any of us can claim it, but it's this idea that we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five years. Um, You know, this idea that like, well, we think I got to do all of this right now. Um, (laughs) A a friend of mine, Stephen Webb, he says like, hey, your church would be healthier if you just did one more thing that you said you would do today. Or if you said, if there was one less thing that you promised that you would do today, basically, like, do something. Yeah. You know, take action. Yeah. Take action. You know, and so, like, you know, for some of our listeners, it might be so overwhelming, but like, the truth is, if you can create one new healthy habit as a church or as an individual, over time, you are moving toward health. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, Travis and I, like, you know, we, we are friends with, with Steven. Uh, he actually goes by Sweb, uh, which is pretty funny. And, and an idea he has, he's a, a leadership coach and consultant. One of, one of the leadership ideas he has is, are you ever truly healthy or are you constantly in the state of flux? Are you moving toward health or are you moving toward unhealth? And it's an interesting dynamic that if we are living beings and if we are leading a living organization or organism which is the local church, like it could always be in flux. You can be healthy today, and then you can begin practices that lead you to a place of, of not being healthy tomorrow. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like this constant check of, am I doing the little things consistently that lead me to being the best version of myself, that lead my church to being the best version of herself? Yeah, yeah. My, I'm a youth pastor a long time ago. Uh, at a youth pastor used to say something similar. He he would say, you know, you're either you're either drawing closer to Jesus or you're getting further away from Jesus. And it's all again, it all goes back to taking action. It all goes back to being intentional. Uh, and when we're not intentional, y- you know, we're always going to be f- getting further away from what we actually desire. And so I think. I think for busy pastors and busy church leaders, I think if they're thinking like, well, where, where do I start with this? Great. Hey, you're listening to the podcast. That's fantastic. I would say if you're going to start with something, start with a small group of you know people that you can disciple. Start there. Uh, I think that's where Jesus started, right? He started with a small group uh, of disciples. And, and and the time that you invest over the next year, two years, whatever it might be, you, you may feel like, man, this is a big time investment, but it's going to pay off it's in multiplication, right? And multiplies because now that the people that you've invested in, now they can take a handful of people and invest in them. And I think we have to start seeing things. I think that's what discipleship looks like, right? And that's what it should look like. Uh, it's like, yeah, you're going to be 
it may take some time to get started, but once you get started and once it starts multiplying, um, your job's going to get a whole lot easier because you're going to have a whole lot more disciples in your church, a whole lot more leaders in your church. And so I would say start there, start with a handful of people you can start discipling. I think that's great. We, um, we at our church, a generation in Portland, like we've been putting a lot of focus on something called D groups or discipleship groups. Uh, and like, you know, you can have opinions on like what that means, but at, at its true core, it's reading the Bible with people. Uh, and, and I found like here lately, I've been like intentionally reading the Bible with my family. I've been intentionally reading the Bible with like the males uh, that we have on staff. We have like a males D group and a females D group. Uh, and it's crazy how just going back to the source material, the words and the wisdom of Jesus, like how that changes every part of your life and every part of your leadership. And it's it's a small thing, like we said at the very beginning, a small thing that has a really huge impact. Yeah, so just to kind of uh, wrap up and recap for uh, the podcast, so we talked about, um, so there's outcomes from healthy churches, and we talked about four things, and so those outcomes uh, fall into four categories of, hey, a healthy church is going to be evangelistic, and they're going to see things happen, um, salvations, baptisms happen because of that. They're going to be building disciples, and so discipleship's taking place, sending people out. Uh, they're going to be generous, and so they're going to be, um, you know, investing into their community and investing in uh, missions, and they're uh, also going to be l- developing leaders. And so, um, yeah, and so those are sort of the outcomes, and then we're going to be getting together uh, as a as a General Baptist cabinet over the next few weeks and really talk about, okay, what are what are some of the things that healthy churches do that lead to those outcomes? Uh, and so I'm excited about that. We'll, we're going to uh, probably come back and maybe we'll do a new, another podcast on that. Um, if we don't do another podcast, we're going to be sending information out about what that looks like. And so we'll make all that available to you guys. For sure. Our desire is not to just uh, point out that there is a hole in the dam or that there's an issue uh, or that there is a target that you should be trying to obtain. We, we want to truly be here for you. Uh, as both a church leader and as your church to be able to equip you to be able to lead your church to these outcomes. And that is a conversation for another time. Uh, Travis and I are excited to be able to share with uh, our listening audience. It's so much fun uh, to spend time with you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Doing Together podcast. Today's conversation really is the first step in a focus from General Baptist Ministries to aid our churches uh, to become healthier versions of themselves. So over the next few months, Travis and the rest of the General Baptist Ministries team will be working to develop resources uh, to help you uh, in these areas get better. Some of the resources that are currently available to you is direct access to President Danny Donovan and the team of vice presidents, including Travis and myself. All of us have broad experience in different specialties of church leadership and church systems. Uh, And we have knowledge of resources that are currently available for immediate help. All you have to do is reach out as we truly are here for you. Also, we have access to the broader network of the General Baptist family, uh, church leaders, church uh, staffs that are specialists. uh, They're experts in various areas of ministry. Please let us help you help lead your church to become a healthier church. If you haven't already done so, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content today. And please leave us a review. This helps our content be discovered by others and keeps you informed of the newest information developed just for you. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode of the Doing Together podcast.